Y'all ready for a month's worth of, of sermon? Bring it on. Yeah, I know you was hoping Dad would, one more story, and I would have just, we'd have just went to the baptism. <laughs> I'm thankful for stories to tell. I'm thankful for stories to tell. I was just telling Amy that we, we just to look up here and, and think, I don't know how long ago it was, 2010, I mean, it's 20 years, I mean, 20 years ago, probably when you, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, first of all, you guys couldn't have children, and, uh, and, and to think, because when we started, I was the praise and worship leader, and, and God sent Amy, and she did, and, and then to look now, and, and the fact that y'all were trying to have, and couldn't have children, and to look now, and, and our children are up here on the stage, you know, uh, it's just, the Lord knew, we didn't know, but the Lord knew what he was doing during those hard, those were hard days, those are hard days. You're like, man, God, what are you, why, why have you forsaken me? It's kind of the way you feel during those times. And, and you look back and you realize now that he didn't forsake you. Like, I'm working on it. If he could say anything, I'm working on it. Anyway, so today we're starting a new, a new part of our series on the gospel. We've been talking about the gospel. Actually, this is sermon number eight about the gospel, and what we've been talking about previously is the truth of the gospel, and does anybody know without looking what the truth of the gospel is? There are four attributes of God that, it, that is the truth of the gospel. Without looking, can anybody tell me? Now, here's the deal. It's been a month since I preached. You got a good excuse, okay? If it was last week, I doubt you would know any more, but... But, with it being forward, can anybody tell me an attribute of God that, now listen, I'm not talking about omniscience, omnipresent, that's not those. So if you go there, that's not them. Okay. The God of the Bible is the God that exists, yes. And so God exists is, is true, right? It is true. Um, God is sovereign. God is sovereign is one of them. God is just. God is eternally. I did preach on God is eternal, but he's eternally powerful. And then the last one, he's good. He's good. So God is eternally powerful. Hey, this is important to know. We're talking about the gospel. This is the foundation of the gospel. The foundation of the gospel is that God exists and that he is eternally powerful. He is sovereign. He reigns. He is good all the time. Come on now. I see somebody got it. And those of you that were here didn't. He's good all the time. He's good. And he is, because he's good, he's just. Those four things are what Paul is talking about in Romans 1, verse 20, when he says this. Oh, that's tough. That whole thing spill out? That's tough. I hope that was water, right, Carrie? <laughs> um, oh, it's empty and has a lid. Praise God. 
God is eternally powerful. Right, so those are the four truths about God that Paul is talking about in Romans 1.20 when he says, for God's, in, by the way, if you've got a bulletin, you open up to the middle. The notes are in here. Thank you, Miss Nana. Uh, for God's invisible attributes, say invisible. There you go. Namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived, which is visible, Right? His invisible attributes have been made visible ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. His eternal power and his divine nature. His eternal power it consists of his, he is eternally powerful. He is sovereign and his, in his divine nature, he is sovereign, he is good, and he is just. And those facts are seen from just looking around at the universe, looking around at the world is what Paul says. Clearly perceived. By observing the universe, it's clearly perceived then, it's clearly perceived now. Now, if you have any questions about that, go to YouTube, and you can watch the previous four, five, six, seven, seven messages on that those truths, all right? Thanks to Jacob and Austin, who make that available. Thank you guys for what you do week in and week out. I appreciate what you do in your service to the Lord. And I don't know who all we got watching today and who all is going to watch. Yeah, amen. That deserves a, give them a better hand clap than that. That deserves. Yep. <clears throat> so today we're going to move. So if you want to know more about that, the truth, look at those things. You can find it. But today we're going to move on from the truth of the gospel, and today we're going to talk about the problem of the gospel, and we're going to deal with this for a few weeks. The problem of the gospel, which I'm calling uh, uh, the bad news of the good news, okay? The bad news of the good news, because the gospel means good news. That's what the word means, good news. And so we're going to talk about the bad news of the good news, because... As shocking as it may sound, good news has bad news at the beginning of it. In fact, if it were not for the bad news, you would not need the good news. The reason the good news is good and so good is because the bad news is so bad. And so that's what we're going to talk about t today. And, and there's three parts of the bad news uh, that we're going to talk about today, three pieces of bad news. The first piece of bad news, and this is in your bulletin, uh, and, and, and one of the blanks. The first bad news is the, go the truth of the gospel is true. The truth of the gospel is true. What's the truth of the gospel? We just went over this. <laughs> He's eternally, God is eternally powerful. In fact, it may even be in your, is it in the bulletin laid out right there? It's right there. God is eternally powerful, sovereign, just, and good. Did I say it backwards, good and just? No, okay. Here's the thing. Hey, I know that may seem simple and like, you guys, we need to know this. We need to like, this is the foundation of the gospel. Without this, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And rose again from the dead doesn't even matter. The reason Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead is because God is eternally powerful, sovereign, just, and good. Or good and just, however you want to. Those four things are the, re the reason Jesus, John 3.16 happened because 
of the truth. John 3.16 did not happen simply because God loves you. God loves you, no doubt. And John 3.16 happened. But the bigger picture of John 3.16 is the truth. And that truth is true, that God is those things. Well, why is that bad news then? Well, second piece of bad news. Human beings are altogether unjust. Human beings are altogether unjust. When I say altogether, I use that word so like altogether. Like, like if you look at Romans chapter 3, there is no one who does good. No, not one. Not one person seeks after God. They have become altogether wicked, worthless. Human beings are altogether unjust. So the question then that you should have is what made mankind or human beings unjust? How are human beings altogether unjust? And that's what we're going to talk about today. What is it that makes human beings altogether unjust? And then we're going to see the third piece of the bad news, why that's really, really bad news The reason human beings, of which, looking around, I think every one of you fit into that category. We're all part of that. The reason human beings are unjust, what are they guilty of? It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, and we're going to read that, and it says this. Now, this is dealing with the sixth day of creation. Some people say that God created the world in seven, and everything in seven days. No, he created it all in six days. He rested on the seventh day. Remember that? So six days he's working and he gets to the sixth day and he's about to make his final piece of creation, his final masterpiece. And this is what it says. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you would give us revelation today. Open our eyes. You've given us ears to hear. Cause us to hear. You've given us eyes to see. Cause us to see. Help us, our minds to comprehend and our hearts to obey the truth of your Gospel in Jesus' name, amen. Let us make man in our image. Why does it say let us make man in our image? Now, those of us who are good Christians, that makes sense to us. To the Jews, that would have been a little radical. But for us, it's, it's the Trinity. It's the first mention or, or, or uh, um, um, well, maybe not even first because you've got the Spirit of God hovering above the waters. But it shows when he says let us make man in our image, you have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a reference to the Trinity, to the God in three persons. We're not, we don't have time to talk about that truth today. Um, we will get into that at a later date. Um, but that's what that means. Let us make man in our image. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is talking about the, the Godhead. And then it says, let us make man in our image. When it says man, he's not talking about 
just one man. He's talking about mankind. He's talking about human beings. How do we know that? Let them. He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them. So he's not talking about, and, and man, Adam did not have gender identity issues, okay? It's not, Adam's pronouns were they. That's not what it's dealing with, okay? Adam's, Adam was, was a person, he was a he, but we're talking about mankind. God created Man and let them, mankind, human beings, have dominion over the fish of the sea. And then in verse 27, there you go. God created man in his own image, mankind. In the image of God, he created him. And male and female, he created them. So we've got this mankind, human beings that God created. And, and he created them with this distinction that no other creation had. And what is that? They were made in the image of God. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. What does that mean? So I went to the Hebrew words that are translated image and likeness. Here's the Hebrew word for image. It, it is tselem, T-S-E-L-E-M, tselem. Salem, and it means a representative figure. So that's what the word means. When he says, let us make man in our own image, let us make man as a representative figure. Representative figure. It's the definition of the word. Let us make a representative figure. A person to represent us on earth. So being made in the image of God means that human beings were created to be representatives of God. Then the word likeness is the Greek is the Hebrew word demuth, D-E-M-U-T-H, demuth. Demuth. And, and it means the, it means the definition of demuth is similitude. Which I had to look up. Just to be honest with you, I'd always called that word similitude. And I thought. The dictionary made a mistake when it put an extra eye in there. I'm like, that's not right. But it's, it's similitude. It's just my accent, or people's accent that made it sound like similitude. Similitude means a visible likeness. So here's what that means. When he says, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, what he's saying is, I'm going to make a visible representative of myself. So human beings were created to be a visible representative of the invisible God. Human beings were created to be a visible representative of the invisible God. God is spirit. You can't see spirit. But he's there. How do we know? Well, he did creation. You should be able to look at creation, the things that have been made. And especially in creation are human beings who are his representatives the visible representatives of the invisible God. Which is one of the reasons God was so against making idols. He didn't want us making a visible representative of him. Why? He had already done that. He made a visible representative of himself, you and me, human beings. Jesus, when he was being tested in Mark chapter 12, some of the Pharisees and the Herodians came to him and remember they, they asked him, is it lawful 
to pay taxes to Caesar. Jesus, is it lawful? Should we be paying taxes to this guy who claims to be God? Jesus, you claim to, to, to represent God. Should we be giving money to this guy who's claiming to be God and asking us to worship him? Should we be supporting him with our money? Trying to trap Jesus into saying, don't give anything to somebody that claims to be God. We're again. And Jesus, knowing their hearts, said, Give me a coin. You know the story. Give me a coin. Holds the coin. He says, whose image is on this? Caesar's. Then give to, this is what he said. You know it. The give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. The implication is if this coin has Caesar's image and inscription upon it, then it belongs to Caesar. Give it to Caesar, it belongs to him. I don't know. It's got his image and inscription on it. But give God what is God's. Human beings, people, you have, Jesus was saying, the image and inscription of God. Give him yourself. Give him yourself. Image and inscription corresponds directly to image and likeness. So if you belong, if you've got the image and inscription of God upon you, then give give yourself to him. You belong to him. And that is where things go south for human beings like me and you. That's where the great injustice comes. Because you and I who were created to represent God, created as his representatives here on earth, belonging to him, his special possession, with a special distinction of being made in his image and likeness, rather than giving ourselves to him, have given ourselves to other things. whether it be different gods that we make for ourselves or whether it just be the lust of our own flesh. Instead of giving ourselves to God, because we were made by him, we were made for him, and we belong to him, we have instead chosen to give ourselves to other things. Here are Five things. I think I put them in your bulletin. We have given ourselves to what has been created rather than given ourselves to the one who created it. We have lived for what has been created. Did I, did I leave those blanks in your? They're filled in. We have lived for what has been created rather than living for the one who created it. We have pursued what has been created rather than pursuing the one who created it. We have treasured what has been created rather than treasuring the one who created it. And in essence, we have worshiped the one who has been created rather than worshiping the one who created it. 
Now you look at that and I want to ask you, have you ever been guilty of any of those? That's bad news. It's bad news. It's bad news for you and me. Because we've been guilty of those things. And here's the grand injustice. I want you to get this. If you don't get this, you'll, you'll misrepresent the gospel. This is why the gospel is being misrepresented, I think. This is why we've been begging people to give their heart and lives to Jesus and they either don't see it as important or relevant or they do for a little while and then they're over because they don't see the weight of the injustice that we have committed. Here's what mankind has done, all of us together. Why could, why could God say they have all together become worthless? Because we have made it seem like, get this, creation is more awesome than the creator. We've made it seem like creation is more awesome than the creator. It's the way we think. It's the way we feel. It's why we worship God as long as he gives us what we want. But when things don't go the way we want or something happens we don't like and don't agree with, we say, forget you, God. Because we've treasured created things above the creator and we've, we've lost the awesomeness of God. And we think God is only awesome as long as he keeps providing us the awesome things. But once he stops giving us the awesome things, then God, I'm done with you. I'll find somebody that will put me on the throne, right? I mean, we've all done that, right? We've all felt that way, right? Once you begin to treasure what is created, get this. Once you've been, begun to treasure what has been created, rather than the one who created it. And before I finish that, I want, I want to ask you this. I've asked it before, but again, I, I heard this from John Piper. I don't know who, I'm, he probably didn't come up with it. But if, again, I want to ask you, this is how to tell if your heart is in that trouble zone, that danger zone. If you could go to heaven today and experience all the good things about heaven, no more tears, no more death, streets of gold, mansion, which is not true, but let's just put it in there, mansion up over the hilltop. All the good things about heaven, peace, joy. Man, I can automatically play the harp. What's, what are you talking about, you know? I'm going to be singing with the angels. It's going to be bright. It's going to be amazing. Wipe every tear from our eye. If you could be satisfied and happy with that without God. Like, if, if somebody offered you all that and said, but here's the problem, you can't have God. And you would, you would take that offer? All the good things without the provider of the good things? If, if your heart would take that offer, then, then you are where we're talking about here. You've treasured the created things, the pleasures more than the creator. And, and don't feel horrible about it because everybody sitting and standing in this room and in this building and on the planet has been there. We've all been there where we've treasured that. That's what makes us all together unjust. 
We've all fallen short of the glory of God that we were created for. But here's what happens when that happens. Once you begin to treasure what has been created rather than or above the the one who created it, get this, this is what Jesus said. Instead of representing the creator, you begin to resent the creator. Instead of representing him, you begin to resent him. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24 when he said, no man can serve two masters. He'll either love one or hate the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. That's what he means. If your treasure is stuff or if your treasure is people above God, then you have ceased to represent God and you started to resent God and then you lead and you misrepresent God. When you resent the one you were created to represent, then you cease to represent him and start misrepresenting him. I want you to get that. This is the injustice of mankind. This is the injustice of human beings. This is why you, standing before a holy God apart from Christ, stand before God guilty. Because you were created to represent him. Accurately, well. And yet you have thrown that away and instead lived for yourself. We all have. And by doing so, you've misrepresented God, and that's the injustice. Human beings, this is a fill in the blank. Human beings have misrepresented God, the one they were created to represent. Human beings have misrepresented God, the one we were created to represent. That's what Paul was talking about in verse 18 of Romans 1. When he said the wrath of God is revealed, we'll talk about that in a later message maybe. But the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness do what? Suppress the truth. What is the truth? Yes. Yes. The truth. The truth is that God is all powerful, he's sovereign, he's just, and he's good. We serve an awesome God. He's awesome. And yet we have represented him, misrepresented him in such a way that makes him look not awesome, non-existent, or if he does exist, bad. We've made him look that way. We have suppressed the truth that we were created to express. Do you see injustice in that? What if you went to work tomorrow morning and you started working for, you were were getting paid by the company you work for and yet you started doing work for the rival company? (laughs) What if you're on a a Major League Baseball team and you're getting paid to, to hit home runs for that team and you go and you're like, well, I like the other team better. I'm just gonna strike out every time today. I'm gonna miss every fly ball that comes. I'm gonna start working for the other team. Would that fly? Would your boss be okay with that? What about if you just did your own thing all the time? No, you you, you were created. You were you you get you get paid to do something at your job, and when you when you 
when you either work for the other team, boy, that, your boss is not going to be very happy with that. Friends, God has created us to represent. That's why we're here. As we're working on our job, represent me well. And we've misrepresented him. Through unrighteousness and ungodliness, we'll get to that in a different sermon too. We've suppressed the truth we were created to express and therefore we are guilty of injustice against God. You see, our injustice goes against the very core of who we are. Our injustice goes against the very core of of what we were created to do and who we were created to be. It's a great injustice. In a sense, we have completely ruined God's reputation. And we were sent here to build his reputation. Not by making him look like what he's not, but by showing him for who he really is. Again, we have, because we've suppressed the truth that we were created to express, we are guilty of injustice against God. And that's the problem, and that's the bad news of the gospel, which leads us to the third piece of bad news and final today. The third piece of bad news. First of all, we said that the truth of the gospel is true. Secondly, we said that human beings are altogether unjust. The third piece of bad news is a just God will not allow injustice to go unpunished. A just God will not allow injustice to go unpunished. If he does, he's not just. Imagine one of your family members gets murdered and they're taken to court. They sit through a trial. The the jury finds them guilty and it comes up to sentencing. And they stand there to be sentenced for their crime and the, the judge goes, you know what? I normally don't do this. But I'm having a pretty good day today. And listen, I I tell you what, don't tell nobody else. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just let you go. I'm gonna let you I know you did it, but listen, we all make mistakes. I'm I'm just gonna let you go. You can go free. How would you feel about that? How would you feel about that judge? Now, if you were the person, you might be. This is awesome. (laughs) Best day of my life. But the problem is, even if you feel good about the decision he made, it's not just. It's not a good judge. A good judge does not let injustice go without being punished. Or what if it wasn't murder? What if it was just robbery? What if somebody robbed one of your loved ones, stole everything they had, and came? Same thing. A judge that will let people off the hook without sufficient payment, is not a good judge. And he's not a just judge, which is why the first piece of the problem is so bad. Because God is good and God is just. And as Abraham asked, will not the judge of the earth do what is right? Oh yeah, he will. He's going to do what is right. He will judge injustice because that's what good God, good judges do. 
and he's good. Now, that is the weight of the injustice that human beings feel. And that honestly, could be the end of the message. Some of you are like, let it be. But I can't leave you with that. <laughs> okay, we'll talk next week about hope. You got to just try not to go do something irrational before we get to next week. You're all mess. You have no hope. Congratulations. Let's go home. <laughs> can't leave it at that. So I'm going to kind of draw from the future messages Knowing the reality that we are altogether unjust because we have distorted the image of God. If you really feel that, which I hope you do, I hope you feel the weight of that. We should. Then I hope your heart is crying out like the heart of the people in Acts chapter 2. When Peter said to them, you crucified Jesus. You crucified Jesus, the Son of God. You did this great injustice against God. And they heard. It says they were pierced to the heart. And they said, what shall we do? What do we do about it? What do we do? But we're going to have an altar call this morning, by the way. So, yeah. yeah. I want to give you a chance to do what I'm about to tell you to do. <clears throat> What shall we do? And Peter said, well, let's read it. Because this is what I'm going to ask you to do. It says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. This is Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, this is what you do when you find out how unjust you are. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. By the way, that is the answer to the problem, but we're not getting into that today. Not fully, not delving into that, explaining that. But that is it. That is it. That's the hope that you have, the same hope that they had. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. That's the answer. So three part, repent. By the way, they already understood their guilt. That's first. If you don't understand the problem is true for you, that you are absolutely and altogether unjust, then, then the next part's not going to help you. You have to come to that realization and admission first. You are, I am unjust. That's what these people felt. We are unjust. You're right about us. We are unjust. What do we do? But once you've come to that realization and understanding, number one, repent. Realize that, you know what? I've been living my life in such a way, thinking in such a way that has totally misrepresented God and made him look not as awesome as stuff. I've been living for stuff in my own heart. Stuff, things, money, fame, reputation, whatever has been more important to me than, than God. 
and you realize that that's not the truth. That's not living according to the truth. God is more awesome than that promotion or that raise or that person, that relationship. God is more awesome than that child or that grandchild. God is more awesome. Realize that you've been thinking and acting contrary to the truth and make the decision that you want to live your life according to the truth. That's repentance. Secondly, be baptized. What happens in baptism? This is, this is God putting to death the old you that lived for yourself or those lies that other things were more important. It also allows you to experience through Christ the punishment for the injustice that you've committed. That's deep truth that I can't go into today. But it's the break from the old and the beginning of the new. And then receiving the Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit, something God does. Something God does inside of you that, that allows you to change courses because you can't do it on your own, but you can do it through Him. He lives inside of you and gives you the desire and the ability to, to live out the truth. So I want to ask you today, do you need God's forgiveness? Are you ready to make a change? Are you ready to do away with the old and become new? If that needs to happen in your life, stand up if you would. What song are we doing? You leave it. As we sing today, I want to encourage you. If you need to do those things, do them. <clears throat> We're having a baptism right after service. The water's warm. It's ready for you. And God's ready to give you His Spirit. Father, I pray right now for those in here who are living in their injustice and have heard the truth and go, you know what, he's right. You're right. And I need to make a change and I'm ready. Pray that you would do that. And I pray that you would draw them. And I pray that you would make old things new, altogether new. In Jesus' name. As we sing, come forward. Come forward. If you want to talk to God, if you want to, 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 to make that confession to you and receive that for yourself, as we sing, the altar's open. This is my worship. This is my offering. In every moment, I will Thank you, Lord, for nearness of life. Thank you, Lord, for I'm learning to trust you, even when I can't see it. And even in suffering, I have to believe it. That if you say it's wrong, then I'll say no. If you say, really.
jump on diving in If you say be still then I will wait If you say to trust I will obey I don't wanna fall on my own way I'm done chasing feelings Spirit Sing that chorus If you say it's wrong, then I'll say no. If you say release, I'll let it go. If you're in it with me, I'll begin. And when you say to jump, I'm diving in. If you say be still, then I will wait. If you say to trust, I will obey. I don't want to fall on my own way. I'm done chasing feelings. misrepresenting you, distorting your reputation and rather to start representing you in a clear way so that people can see you clearly. We are your people. Forgive us for where we've fallen short, but God, don't let us fall short anymore. Help us to hit the mark by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to hit the mark. I want to hit the mark. I've missed it enough. And I, you know, it seems like every morning I'm like, okay, God, I missed it again. <laughs> but today I want to hit it. I want to hit the mark. We're going to be leaving um, uh, right now and going to uh, the Lonus Baptismal Pool, which is at the house that I live in, which belongs to my mom and dad. And uh, so I want to encourage all of you to, to come out and support uh, Jennifer and Tabitha this morning. As we go there, so we'll we'll do that. We'll head there now, and uh, God bless you. You are dismissed.
Oh